0: Welcome to the Amplifier Podcast, the show where the best in business discuss how you can grow your business best. I'm Wyatt McPherson. I produce this show, and on his final of three episodes, Don Cooper is joined again by Howard Getson, the president and CEO of Capitalogix, and someone who has always had a passion for growing businesses and wealth through new technology. This is Howard's final episode with us discussing the stages to growing a successful business, how to take it even further, and the people and tools that you need to get there. It's a fantastic conversation all around, so make sure you go back and listen to our last two episodes with Howard, if you have not already, and subscribe so you never miss future episodes. But as always, I truly do hope that you enjoy this episode of The Amplifier Podcast.
1: The reality distortion engine that the people around you keep saying you're not paying attention to reality, you're living in your own dream world. The truth is, I live in a time-shifted world. Uh, Jason you mentioned Jason Corman was a guest on your show yes you know a gaping void. so Jason's a, a really good friend of mine
2: I've got my I've got
1: five of my culture tiles
2: on my t-shirt behind me on my chair that um, yeah. Jason's
1: team did so I have one of his uh semiotic uh messages so he he likes me to use those words even though I yeah like yeah he he, he
2: asked art. he uh, he's always coaching me on the right language to use as well <laughs> yeah
1: and I, i'm trying to tell him if you have to coach people on what the language is it's not the right language um but um so i've got this piece of art right outside my wall and it's one of his more popular pictures and it says i'm not delusional i'm an entrepreneur and i've got it on a t i've got that one on a t-shirt He. I, yeah. <laughs> But the concept is similar to what we were just talking about. I have a tense problem, and tense—not that I'm tense, although that I'm that too. Sometimes the problem is I make other people tense. But really, yeah, the tense I've, been,
2: problem... I've been in breakout rooms with your son a couple of times talking about how he, you make them tense. But,
1: yeah. <laughs> you know, so, but I, and I would—I would say that's my form of loving because I am holding oh. people to to higher Absolutely. standard of what's possible. But, yep. but this tense problem is actually the fact that I think about the future so much that I don't live in the present the way other people do. I've got this reality distortion field where where I'm thinking about the company as I know it's going to be. It's like Gretzky saying, don't skate to where the puck is, skate to where it's going to be. Oh, yeah. it, as an entrepreneur, you have to understand the things that are possible, the things that are probable, the things that are uh, inevitable, and then how to to make those things higher and higher up that chain. And so these tools or frameworks that are helping you imagine the future, it's your reality distortion engine that actually becomes the reality creation engine. It's the thing that carves the rut that the employees can follow to do things repetitively better on increasing scale with increasing reliability and every time that you do that you you gotta remember to celebrate and feel good but you still have to poke your head above the rut and say but what else is possible because whatever you have is the recipe for what you have and the goal is not to have what you have but to have more and so you constantly have to imagine what's possible and then um, help to make it possible in your
2: uh, in in yeah. your reality distortion yeah, my, field, because I know in my reality distortion field, like I've got this plan, and I'm always thinking about our business from the point of view of how do we digitize? How do we use that information to help clients to help ourselves, to help the business? how you know what are the next three steps? And I've, you know, I I remember talking to my team last year and I said, you know, I've got this jigsaw puzzle of where we're going. That's a thousand pieces. And you guys don't necessarily see the whole picture. And, and I, I, you know, I gradually try to help you see it, but I also need to make sure that the 10 pieces I've given you, that you're using them so that, because we need those 10 pieces before we can take, do the next bit. And, you know, yesterday in a, in a leadership meeting, we had a pretty heated argument um, because people didn't understand that I was being, I, I was really unhappy with a, a tool we were using that was off platform for processing, uh, payroll and time off. They were like, well, well, but we want to we want to be able to see, you know, we want to be able to schedule all of our people. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. But on our main platform where we have figured out this whole tool to digitize our work, optimize the work and use AI and competency systems, we need to know what our people's schedules are in there because that's how we're gonna be using that tool for our clients to schedule a hundred different jobs. And they went, oh, that's why we can't. And, And so I find myself like always being in that reality distortion field, looking at the next 10 things but sometimes having to come back and make sure that my core team understands why we're doing what we're doing today, because those 10 pieces of the puzzle build on what we're doing next. Like when you think about your step three and step four of where your business was, and then giving them some vision of what step one, two, and three are without trying to draw them too far into it to, um, to get them distracted with implementing the parts that they need to do today because I, I, I don't have any interest in implementing the parts that need to be done today. I expect that to be already done because I'm
1: already, I'm already living in the future, right? Yeah, so that, <laughs> that's, that's the real key. And that's why frameworks are so important because the framework actually lets you do what for you is really productive work. But mm-hmm. part of the work is communicating it in a way that's simple enough and actionable enough that people who don't have your temperament can look at it and say, oh, yeah, it's clear that I have to do this, or or, it's clear that Don is committed to this and isn't gonna back down. He may not be aware of this constraint, but if we don't start working to eliminate that constraint, he's never gonna shut up, so we better start doing that. (laughs) And and the key (laughs) is, (laughs) the the the
2: language that was used yesterday with my COO is you know Don you've been complaining about this for a while and I failed to recognize that this was a huge frustration for you and I didn't have the context of why and through some heated arguments we got
1: to a place where he realized I got to fix this yeah (laughs) the problem with entrepreneurs is they all believe that their team has a right to their opinion um But a lot of times their opinion is stated in a way that people feel pressure rather than inspiration because Mm -hmm. if you're an entrepreneur and and you have a sense of, I'm in control, I know what's going on, and and I'm responding to reality, so I'm quickly changing my mind and pivoting, you feel like you're skillful. You, you, You feel like a great sailor on on a challenging sea and people should clap but if the person you're talking to doesn't have degrees of freedom or control they're a little bit passive they feel like they're a victim of of changing circumstances and it's like but i've been working so hard to do this other thing and you've changed the rules on me yeah
2: a lot, a lot of the time it's you know uh yeah from a from a instinct standpoint from a colby standpoint we're we're quick starts and we're moving forward to the next 10 things we're not a lot of a lot of the team who aren't that way they perceive it as well you're changing everything and and i think what we what at least when i know what i do is i, I i'm looking at the next 10 steps I'm not disregarding the last 20 steps. I'm thinking those are the building blocks for the next 10 steps, but we got to keep moving forward and trying to create that connection of we're going to keep all these things, you know, 90% of this is going to stay the same because we're building on it, but now we got to keep moving. And often, you know, that those next three visionary moves feel like, oh, you're changing
1: it again. Yeah. And, And that's, again, why you have to recognize that a big part of entrepreneurial success is knowing what to do yeah the bigger part of it is communicating that in a way that other people know what they're supposed to do and actually do it because my to-do list is different than almost anybody else's in my company i create probably 150 to 200 new to do items every week the difference Mm -hmm. is i don't create them in fact even while we're on this podcast i've written to-dos. I take notes from the from the top down, but I take to-dos from the bottom up. And when my to-dos hit my notes, I draw a line. But I've got a, a team of people who read my notes and and they're capturing all those to-dos. Almost none of the to-dos are things that I'm expected to do. The extent of my to-do was thinking of the to-do. They're to be done. Yeah, they're to be done, yeah. Yeah, but but the key is. If all I do is think of to-do's, it's mental masturbation. It it might have felt good while I was doing it, but there's not very much productive output.
2: We're not going to, we're never going to take action on all the things that we think about.
1: But if you create a system where that's the raw material for things to happen. So the first thing is I have an assistant and you talked with her, it's Julie. Julie's amazing. And the reason Julie's amazing for me is because she's learned to be the Howard whisperer where she reads these to-dos, she knows enough about the organization that she rewords it or she labels it a certain way so that when somebody in marketing sees it, they say, oh, thank you. Yeah, that's great. Rather than, oh, crap. What? More? What? Really? Um, Have you noticed in your company that the people who are the busiest The people that are like overwhelmed are the people who, when you give them something new, they're like, yeah, I can handle it. And the people that don't seem that busy are the ones who get so frustrated. The key is to recognize people's unique ability to to recognize that tasks and energy flows to merit. Mm -hmm. And, And if somebody isn't, getting flooded with stuff. They're either in the wrong role or in the wrong company. And and I want to make sure that if somebody's energy isn't increasing, I actually believe that energy might be one of the most important things to to measure. And and people are either cleansing or clogging. Mm -hmm. Have you ever gotten a phone call and, and you heard it was a certain person, your assistant comes to you and says, hey, this person's on the phone and you go, oh, and it's like a balloon, like halfway deflated
2: it. Well, I used to, and now my assistant is fantastic at, you know, uh, at screening and understanding who I want to spend time with, who I want to, who I want to work with and who, who she can put off to someone else who, uh, and so I, I, I have less and less of that all the time, simply because, um, I you know, th- over the last four years, um, I've joined Coach four years ago, and working with um, with Kathy Colby figured out who my ideal assistant would be. I had a bunch of assistants prior to hiring my assistant Mallory, and they were they were frustrating because they they didn't they didn't un, there wasn't a synergy of how we worked together. There wasn't that that um, left arm like I, I that process, and so now I have less and less of that.
1: I have found that if. If I hear that somebody is on the phone and my response is to like deflate, it's almost like the universe is whispering, that's not your path. In the (laughs) past, my arrogance was, well, I can make this work. Mm -hmm. The trick is it it says way less about the person who's on the phone than it does me. Mm -hmm. It's that it wasn't my path it it might be that there's somebody in the organization that dealing with them is actually a career upgrade. Mm-hmm. And, and the problem is is that I'm overwhelmed with the stuff that I'm doing and I want to fill my overwhelm with things that are unique ability so that every day based on unique ability I have superior skill in some things we get this much better. But because it gives you energy you have more capacity to do even more and the next day you do the same as somebody else, but your capacity increases, and soon you stop competing with the people that you used to, because you're doing things that give you energy rather than deplete it. The same mm-hmm. is true for all those to-do items. The thing is, I remember all the way back into the '90s there was a tool called ACT, and ACT yeah, was a I know. contact management software, and and it stood for activities, contacts, and time right? That's what ACT stood for. And it was DOS in the beginning, and then Windows, you know, and and I knew Pat Sullivan, the guy who created it, and it was a great company. But I was frustrated because in the beginning, I had like 200 to-do items, and I would then say, well, snooze that till next Wednesday, or I would snooze that to the beginning of next month. And soon, I had like a thousand items that were being snoozed. And, yeah. you know, I, I see these articles about fatbergs uh, th- that are clogging sewer systems. And it's all the stuff that you're not supposed to put in a toilet and all the flushables. Yeah. And it gets to the point, well, our to-do items are the same thing. And it occurred to me that a whole bunch of those to-dos that, that have clogged up my inbox or my contact management system or whatever, or because I continually misperceived them as things that I was supposed to do. What if I looked at the things that weren't done as a job description and you started to organize them in a certain way to realize that the reason they weren't getting done is you didn't have a high enough level who in that area. And all of a sudden you simply look at the tasks that are stacking up and you realize this is actually part of the job description that will send a message to the universe that says, get somebody here who's going to say, Don, thank you so much for giving me that stuff. Thank you, sir. Can I have another? And you go, you want another? Well, how about these five and those 10? Do you want some of that pile? And, and, you, and it's actually how the organization really starts to grow is simply by converting a lot of what used to be a problem into opportunity by recognizing that just because it made you weak doesn't mean it makes somebody else weak. It's true for people. It's true for tasks. It's true for opportunities.
2: I had a a really interesting um, epiphany. You you are obviously familiar with the concept of unique ability and and the activity um, inventory system that, you know, that you learn when you, when you work with Dan and strategic coach early on, you know, for me, that was so a simple framework, as you put it, that was so enlightening of all the stuff that I need to not do and and figure out and and figure out who needs to do it. Those two things were really powerful for me, but for me, that tool was really, really valuable. And it, it just put me on a path of getting all those kinds of things off my plate. But what I found in my inside my business with the idea of unique ability teamwork was that the the terminology that you know as an entrepreneur you're totally comfortable with saying I'm un- I'm incompetent at that because I it, it's not energizing and I it's frustrating as Dan puts it it's crappy stuff, but my team was uncomfortable and particularly in the engineering side you know with this technical space that we're in they're really uncomfortable with with the vulnerability of saying, I mean, I'm, I'm competent or I'm incompetent. And so then I was working with BJ Fogg uh, recently and with his behavior design model. And I, I reworked the way that we, we, we talked about unique ability with my team. And I took away all of the, the terminology and we just used the descriptive language. And it totally transformed a bunch of my team in being comfortable with identifying their incompetencies, so they could start to get them off their plate. It was a really interesting, uh, really interesting psychological exercise to, to do that differently to help the team really hone in on how they could uh, get those all those all the all those to dos off their plate and into the hands of people that um, that should be doing them. When I was talking with Cameron Harold last week. He had a really another twist on unique ability that i thought was really interesting and he, he's he, he what he does with his team is he looks at all of those activities that are on each person's activity inventory and says you know if you could hire someone to do that how much would you pay them and one by one well that's a 15 dollar an hour job and that's a 25 dollar an hour job whatever it is and then he looked at them and well, well i'm paying you 75 or 100 dollars an hour Why are you doing all this stuff that you shouldn't be doing? (laughs) And let's get that off your plate. And all of a sudden it creates jobs by, by helping people change their frame of reference of I have to do versus I, you know, I want to do and what I'm really good at. I thought there was some really interesting thinking around getting those to do's off of your plate and thinking about them as that they have to be done, but they don't necessarily have to be done by you.
1: Yeah. It's the difference between accountability and responsibility. You're accountable for them being done, but you're not responsible for doing them.
0: And there you have it. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this episode of The Amplifier Podcast. Howard actually did three episodes with us, so be sure to check out the other ones if you haven't already. And also, please subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Make sure you leave a like slash rating on your respective podcast platforms. It truly does help us out a lot. And we shall see you next time on The Amplifier Podcast.